are the New York Knicks. We are the New York Knicks. We are the New York Knicks. We are the New York Knicks. Say go New York, go New York, go. What is up, people? And thank you guys very much for this special edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. It is our State of the Knicks podcast, our first time ever doing a State of the Knicks podcast. If you guys listen to this show, you're used to hearing us talking sports. We talk a lot of basketball since that is our number one sport here. And usually I find a way as a Knicks fan on the show to shoehorn the Knicks in there, much to Kendall Chagrin being the Celtic fan here yes. who does watch a lot of Knicks but is not necessarily a fan of the Knicks <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. So I thought of an idea. I was like, man, we got to find a way to talk Knicks, especially uh, for people who listen to our show always say we love it when you guys actually talk Knicks because, you know, that's your wheelhouse. And I thought – what greater way to do that than just do a dedicated Nick, pa- Nick podcast that started a new year? So this is the first uh, podcast of its kind, State of the Knicks. And I'm really excited because we got a special guest on the show that if you heard our sports show earlier in the week, I teased. And I'll bring him in in a moment. But first, I want to introduce you to Kendall, who is here with me as always. Kendall, you find a way to... I didn't know if you'd show up when I told you we were doing a State of the Knicks podcast. Yeah. I thought you might boycott. I thought you might find a way to... Uh, you know, hold out. You might, you might do a hold out or something. I'm glad you, you find a way to make it here. Well, yeah, I mean, I, it, I guess it's the give and take. You you allowed me to host the show last week or <laughs> earlier this week, yeah. so uh, it's a give or take. But, yeah, I'm sure we'll get a, a State of the Celtics podcast going at some point. But uh, Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll keep that in mind. We'll, that'll, that'll be We'll that'll talk be about that at a later date. But, no, I mean, <laughs> the season for the Knicks has been uh, uh, it's been interesting. Uh, it's been probably down in, in, for many, in many regards, but there are some Knicks fans that are – that have taken away a ton of positives, uh, especially with some of their young players. So um, it's going to be exciting to kind of evaluate th- where the Knicks are right now in, uh, as we head into 2019. And I mentioned we have a special guest in the show. I'm very happy to introduce Jonathan Macri from Knicks Film School. If you guys are on Twitter and you're Knicks fans, I feel like you have to have at some point come across Knicks Film School. That's how I came across Knicks Film School, basically. Uh, Jonathan has done great work with them, and I'm so happy to have him on. Jonathan, what's up, man? Hey, how you guys doing? I appreciate you. Uh, I mean, first of all, I appreciate even having a, a State of the Knicks podcast. It's like, you know, there are probably some more worthy topics to have a, a state of, <laughs> like, you know, state of uh, last night's uh, leftovers or, uh, you know, state of uh, the, the bushes in front of your house. But sure, we can do State of the Knicks. It's, it's fine. I think even a state of uh, James Harden shot last night would even be probably more. Hey. There's so many things to talk about with that game that happened. I know, I know. That was no, it was a wild game. Early, early contender for game of the year. That was a good one. Absolutely. So again, this is a all Knicks podcast. So uh, hope you guys enjoyed. Happy to have Jonathan. I'm gonna start off the show now. So obviously, we start the new year. New York Knicks come into this new year still a bottom feeder in the Eastern Conference. They have the second-worst record in the East. Uh, the w- playoffs are well out of reach. I think as of this date, they're like eight games out or something crazy. You'd think it'd be worse, but the Eastern Conference, the bottom half is so bad. Uh, it's been a season of ups and, down, up and downs, obviously. I'll give it to Jonathan first. Uh, what is your overall takeaway on this team and how uh, Fizdale has done so far in, their, in his first year at the helm? I, I mean, I think, you know, if most Knicks fans came into this year just kind of they the the top of their list was like development like how are we developing the young players and while i think that that's like super super important i i think more than anything the organization just needed to 
kind of rebrand itself in the eyes of the league. And I, I thought, I think Fisdale has done um, a pretty good job with that. I think it's it's a lot easier to do when you're not, you know, um, when you don't have the most losses in, in all of basketball. So, you know, I think that's that part has been obviously rough. But again, anybody who, who knew anything about the game and, and saw this roster coming into the year, I mean, if you expected anything better than a bottom five record, you know, you think you were probably kidding yourself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, then the question turns to um, how has he been bringing along the young players? And I think with the exception of Frank Nilakina, who we'll probably touch on at some point, I'd say all of the young players on the roster have um, exceeded expectations at this point. And he's even, you know, you even throw in some guys like Noah Vonley and Emmanuel Moutier, guys who... You know, we probably weren't sure if they were NBA players or not before the season. And now, you know, they've they've I mean, Vonley has been actually really good. And Moutier is at the very least, um, I don't know, serviceable somewhere in that range. So I, I, I'm probably a bigger fan of Fisdale than most because I know some people have critiques over some little things with him here and there. But, yeah, I think he's done a nice job. Well, what do you say, Ken? I'm very curious at what you have to say, considering you're not a Knicks fan. So you, well, you watch the team a lot. We live in the same household for fifty percent of the year, I would say. Right. So Knicks and Celtics are playing here. So you got to watch the team a lot this year. So from an outside perspective, I'm curious what you think of, of what Fizdale has done and what the Knicks have established so far. Well, it's interesting because it a lot of this goes even beyond Fizdale, but it goes to also with Scott Perry and Steve Mills, uh, the culture that this entire organization is trying to instill. Because, like Jonathan mentioned, this isn't. The expectations, anybody that thought this team was going to be a contender or even like a viable uh, playoff team in the East, that those expectations were probably unrealistic. And the key for this season was always going to be establishing a culture of, even if you're not going to be winning games, being competitive, uh, having the right um, kind of tendencies, uh, establishing winning tendencies, uh, and make sure you're playing the, the game the right way. And I feel like this Knicks team, we've seen, especially with the young players, uh, Alonzo Trier, uh, Kevin Knox, um, uh, you meant, Jonathan mentioned Moutier and, and Vonley, we've seen that that's what David Fisdale's uh, calling card has been. It's development of young players. That's what it was in Memphis. That's what it was in Miami. And we've seen that these young guys have listened to Fisdale. He's gotten the most out of those guys. Um, yes, you know, Frank Nilkeen has struggled, um, and we'll get to that. But the, the, I guess the, the issues that someone would have with Fisdale is a lot of the veteran guys um, maybe haven't, uh, haven't excelled the way you would have liked under Fisdale. You know, someone like Cantor. Who's been? I mean, he's been up and down his entire career, so it hasn't been much different. But you know, we, he's seen his role diminish a little bit. Tim Hardaway's had his ups and downs this season. But um, the biggest, the biggest takeaway I've seen from Fidel this year has been the uh, the way he's used his young players, Mitchell Robinson as well. Guys, having those guys excel the way they have this season. Yeah, I think for me, uh, in terms of my overall thoughts on what the season has given us so far, I agree that the Nick culture, I think, is changing. Um, I feel like, you know, when I think about, okay, what did I watch when I saw Fisher coaching, when I saw Hornacek coaching in recent years? And for me, I felt like those teams never played the right way. Uh, even 
uh, when they were playing well. There were still issues, of course, with the offense because of the triangle and either the player's unwillingness to adapt or just the, the triangle just not being a viable offense in this day and age. So when I watch the Knicks play now, I watch stuff that they're running on a regular basis. Um, it looks a lot more like a regular NBA team, which at this point is what we need. I don't think they need to be doing anything like the triangle or something that experimental again. So uh, I like the kind of established. I like that they've established a culture of, 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 of a kind of a more conventional brand of basketball, even if this team, because of how they're built and because their best second best player arguably is, you know, a seven foot guy who doesn't really fit in this NBA. They're still kind of behind in pace and, and kind of playing in a faster uh, at, a, at a faster pace, but I think this, the the culture is there. The, the the guys are playing hard, which is what you like to see. And it doesn't seem like they've gotten too discouraged out, out over losing. We'll see how bad this gets. Um, that was the one thing I wanted to see too: is that you know, if this team really got to a rough start, would they just really fold the tent and just not show up? But I think you know, we record this show on uh, January fourth, right? right before a Laker, a big Laker game tonight and then right after a Nuggets game where that's a game where you would think, oh, yeah, they're going to just, you know, mail it in perhaps, and they had one of their best performances of the season, arguably. So they're playing the right way. I think Fizdale, uh, Jonathan mentioned nitpicks. There are some nitpicks. You know, I, I get what he's doing with the rotation, making guys earn their spots, but in a season that's uh, where you're trying to develop young talent, I want to see the young guys play regardless of if they make mistakes. Um a weird nitpick, but I think some of his like play calls late in games on like out of bounds plays has been really bad. Uh, they lost a game against Cleveland a couple weeks ago. Um, they had some t- trouble early in the year because of that. That's something I think they need to work on. That also has to do with having a young team and and, and new plays to deal with. So I, I think Fizz has been good. I've had some small nitpicks, but I, I like what he's established. Jonathan, any uh, thing you want to add on this? Yeah, no. I mean, I think you guys hit on hit on some good points. I just, I guess, two things that I I want to pick up on quickly. Yeah. Um, you mentioned before about you know how are they playing the the game the right way? Are they staying in games? And by my count at this point, so they've played um, thirty to do thirty eight games. I think there were I want to say five that they were just basically like came out right away, doors got blown off, and they were like out of the game before halftime. Every other game, they at least were in it um, into, like, the third quarter, deep into the third. And then, don't get me wrong, there's been a ton of games where fourth quarter comes around. They may enter the fourth quarter down by, you know, 8, 10, 12, something like that. And then the other team will eventually pull away. But that, to me, doesn't that doesn't worry me as much because, again, the talent discrepancy between them and most other teams – on most nights, it's really, you know, quite substantial. Right. So, you know, I'd much rather that than them coming out. And granted, their first quarters have not been good. That's been an issue for the team. But they're in games, um, you know, in the first quarter, second quarter, into the third. So I like that. And then, you know, in terms of, like, giving minutes to the veterans, I think it's in, you know, there have been some veterans that, that have fallen out of the rotation completely. But... You know, people still complain that there's not enough minutes going to, like, Frank, not enough minutes maybe going to Dotson. Um, I think Fisdale is still finding his way in terms of um, balancing those two things that we talked about, sure. setting the setting the culture versus development. Because in order to set a proper culture, everybody in that locker room has to feel like they've gotten a fair shot. 
and nobody in there can feel like they are being they were being put or they were pushed out without at least getting a chance to you know show what they could do and i think he's tried to toe that line um it's been tough at times um yeah so you know what like i said i it's it's so easy to to nitpick for on a bad team (laughs) you know so that's why i think we should reserve judgments of fisdale probably until um next season but yeah i I think you guys hit the nail on the head with the additional points you brought up and kendall in a season that feels lost to many there were a lot of eyes on how the knicks rookies will perform i want to start off with of course kevin knox uh first round pick he was booed by some nick fans on draft night that is like a a point of contention I've seen on social media. Some people saying that never happened. I'm like, there were definitely boos. I, I was there. There were there were boos. Yeah, there were boos. <laughs> uh, but none. I, we know it wasn't the majority, and there were a lot of people who were happy with the pick. But some people did boo him. Uh, he shook what was a rocky start to the season, and is coming off winning Rookie of the Month for the month of December. So, how do you kind of grade Knox's first year so far? Uh, so far, I think you have to give him. Now it depends. What are we saying based off of? When he was drafted, how he's been, or coming in post summer league—that's a good question. Because uh, I mean, at where he was drafted, it's got to be an A, I would think. That's a good question. I didn't even think so of it like that. I'm gonna say post summer league. I think that's. A I'll go post summer league. Post summer league, I'll give him probably a B plus, A minus. Um, the expectations were raised after he played so well in the summer league because um, the expectations weren't really that high. I mean, they were they were high because he was a top ten pick, but people were saying that you know. He was maybe a little bit more of a project, or he was, you know, one of the youngest players in the draft. So you'd have to take time, be patient. Um, but as the way he looked in the summer league, there were some people saying he was going to win Rookie of the Year. Obviously, he's the Eastern Conference Player of the Month, so he's in somewhat. I mean, obviously, Luka Doncic has pretty much locked it up, but he's in the conversation for All Rookie NBA First Team, which is, I would say, a successful rookie year uh, for Kevin Knox. Um, you mentioned that tough start. I look at the ankle injury he had. And even though he came back uh, fairly quickly, a lot of times guys don't shake off sprained ankles uh, immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen, I remember, I mean, obviously I'm a Celtics fan. I remember Marcus Smart had a, he had a sprained ankle his rookie year, and um, he came back, and he just, he was bad for like, a, I mean, he still played good defense, but offensively he was awful for like like two or three months. And then by the playoffs, by the time the playoffs came around, he played better. Um I think Kevin Knox, he had to come back from that ankle injury, kind of get back uh, to his rhythm, um, and he had to learn the game because when you miss all that time as a rookie, uh, you're already behind the eight ball. And now guys have, the rest of the league has kind of caught up to the start of the season. Now he's playing in some of his first games. So that was a big deal for Knox, and it's just comfortability. We've seen what Fizdale has been able to do with uh, Trier and, uh, Dotson, some of these other young guys that maybe were a little bit more uh, unheralded, but he's played, he's had those guys all year. Um, Knox, I think, is finally starting to get comfortable in Fisdale's system. He's starting to finally get a role. And also, I think now the Knicks are out of it. They are now devoting more attention to Knox in the rotation, seeing guys like Hazonia play less, yeah. uh, other wing players not play as much as uh, Kevin Knox's. And one of the things I, I think about this season, Jonathan, is is to me that ankle injury I think was a turning point because I think for Knox it allowed him to kind of sit down and kind of maybe see yep. where he could attack. I thought when I saw him the first 
month or so, maybe three weeks before he got hurt. I don't think he really knew what he was doing, honestly. Like, I think he, you know, he was a guy who there was a lot of talent there, but I don't think he quite knew where to pick his spots and where he could be aggressive. And I think that time off, you know, sitting down, watching film, watching from the sidelines actually ended up being the best thing that could have happened for him. I don't know if you feel that same way and also I, how you I feel about his rookie season. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It, um, it's funny you say that. I'm thinking back to um, a piece that Mike Borkanoff of The Athletic wrote um, when Knox first got sidelined with the ankle injury, and they talked about that, him being able to sit and, and kind of have the game slow down from him, for him to see you know how it is from the, the sidelines. You know, because I think we we have to remember, I mean, forget him, even aside from the fact that he's the second youngest player um, in the draft, I think third youngest player in the NBA, uh, he, like, you know, when there's a reason why he slipped to, you know, to where he did in the draft, it's, mm-hmm. it's because it's like he was supposed to be a project. And obviously, anytime you say the word project, the whole, you know, the un, unsaid thing is that it may not work out. Um, so, and, and look, there's still parts of Knox's game um, that leave a little bit to leave uh, leave a lot to be desired. His defense for all the tools that he has, the combination of um, you know the ability to move fluidly, you know, add that to his height, you know, potentially guard, you know, obviously multiple positions down the road. For as wonderful as that is, he's. Easily, I mean, I don't know. I should say easily the Knicks' worst defender because that's. I mean, we have some pretty. Yeah, there's some contenders. Yeah, we have some contenders for that. He's been bad, and I think he's been the worst defender on the team. Um, so lot, lot of, lot to go on that. Still doesn't finish around the rim well at all. Um, he has that nice little floater game going, and I think he's comfortable with that, and that's great. But eventually, he's going to need to finish with, um, you know, through a lot more. Contact. He's averaging only 2.7 free throw attempts on the season. Um, free throw shooting actually hasn't even been that good. He's down to 66%. All that being said, you know, all you're looking for in a rookie year is like signs. Signs that this could be a guy that if you're playing in a conference finals or, you know, God willing, an NBA finals someday, he could be one of the five guys that's going to be on the floor in the last five minutes. And what do we have so far? We have 36% shooting from deep on volume. Um, he's made that adjustment from the college three-point line to the NBA three-point line um, pretty quickly. Um, he's, And I think the thing other than that that I've been most encouraged by, he's improved a lot from the start of the season Absolutely. until now. And and it's some there's subtle improvements, but they've been noticeable. And dare I say, even in, in the Denver game, I noticed he was like – more engaged and more active on defense, uh, which I was really impressed by. So the fact that he's made, you know, done these things so far, um, still, you know, again, if he's going to be a special player, it's going to be because of his ability to create a little bit with the ball in his hands. I haven't really seen that yet, but again, kids 19 years old played in 31 NBA games. So I I don't know what grade I'm going to give him, um, you know, B plus considering where where he's at, uh, A minus maybe, but he's been good. Very happy with him. Yeah, I, I think that Knox definitely has turned the corner um, for me. Uh, I, I do agree the defense needs to improve. I think the the, the him finish at the rim thing is perfect, uh, perfectly on on spot on there because I, I talk about it with my dad all the time. I think that it stems from strong. He needs 
to to improve his leg strength. Um, yeah, to me, hundred percent. A lot of times you see guys struggle at the rooms because you know, and we know he can jump. We've seen him have highlight reel dunks, but when there's contact there, that requires more length strength to power through. And when he gets there, he looks like he's out of gas. You know, he gets to the rim, makes this great move, and he's there, and it's like he can't even get above the rim. And that comes from life strength. So if he can work on that, which he's only 19 years old, there's no reason to believe he, he shouldn't be able to improve in that. He could end up being a, a good finisher at the rim. He's not there yet. Moutier is a great example of that. Moutier is a guy who's yeah. a, a terrible finisher in Denver. Like, one of, he was one of the worst in the draft when he got when he came out. It was a big weakness for his, and he could not improve it in Denver. And I think him getting in better shape, him improving his leg strength is why we've seen him finish much better at, with the Knicks. So, Knox, for me, that's the next improvement in his game, but... He's got the jump shot. Um, he, he's a pretty good ball handler. He needs to improve. But, like, for a guy his size, the dribble as well as he does now at 19, I think he can end up being a very good ball handler. Uh, and he has an offensive knack. He kind of just – he has a he has a knack for scoring. And uh, and for me, I would probably give him about a B because uh, the first part was so bad that it was like, Jesus, this is, this is going to be a long season. <laughs> yeah. No, so that's fair. I think he, he's – I mean, you went to rookie of the month. That's a big accomplishment. So that raises your grade a lot. But – because of that start, I probably only go B. But he's been good. The the biggest thing that it wouldn't concern me because he's a young player. But um, and Johnson's right. It's more about signs when you have a guy so young, guy nineteen years old. You know, you're not really worried about. And you're a bad team. You're not worried about. Is he a winning player right now? You know, uh, if if you were on the Celtics, I'd be a lot more concerned about is he impacting wins like Jason Tatum did last year. But um, his. His real plus minus, he's last in the league, or he's last in the league among small forwards at negative six. Um, he's a negative in both offense and defense right now, but he's producing. I don't know. I I would like to see what those numbers are in the last month. Yeah, I'm sure it's a lot better. Um, but there are things in the stat sheet that maybe, or things that go beyond the the box score that maybe uh, he's got to improve in. Uh, his impact on the game's got to be felt more uh, positively, I would say. Yeah, he's got to impact the game more than just scoring. And that's the thing I think I would I would say he's definitely got to work on. Um, so I, I want to focus, shift the focus a little bit, because in a season like this where the team is clearly rebuilding uh, and, you know, they're likely going to have a very high draft pick, it's hard to find silver linings at times. We talked about Kevin Knox a little bit here, but there's some other positive developments that have uh, occurred this season. Mitchell Robinson has flash some really impressive defense and athleticism uh even though he's had to battle injuries recently we see we talked about Alonzo Trier earlier in the show he's has now is part of the Knicks future at least the immediate future he signed a two-year deal with the team after being a two-way player Tim Hardway got after a hot start and then the heel plantar franchise situation seems to just end his season in terms of being that kind of player he was earlier even though he's still trying to fight through it and we talked about Noah Vonley as well who's had a really really good start to this season I'll go to give us you Ken the first and of course Moody we mentioned as well one uh of all the things that went down this year Kendall what has been the most positive development you're going to be following in 2019 uh for the Knicks I think because of the way this draft is shaping up we have a lot I mean we knew before the year assuming they don't get the number one pick and it's Zion um there are a lot of wing players that the Knicks are going to have to be looking at. R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, uh, to name a few. Um, how do guys, or a guy in particular, on Alonzo Trier, really, you mentioned he's part of the immediate future. Mm-hmm. But do you look at Alonzo Trier and say he is, 
the two guard of the future because um, if the Knicks get the number two pick in the draft, it, I mean, there are going to be a lot of people that say R.J. Barrett's got to be the guy. He's the second best prospect in the draft. Now that depends on who's evaluating how do you feel about R.J. Barrett versus, you know, a point guard in John Moran or whatever. But, um, I, I mean, Alonzo Trier makes you feel like we may have – you already have Tim Hardaway Jr. as a starting shooting guard now even though he's a guy that could also play the three at times, but then you also have Knox. Um, how do you feel about not only Trier, but then also how do you feel about Moody at point guard? Because that's mm-hmm. going to be a big difference in whether – and Frank, that's going to be a big difference in who they draft in that number two spot or that number three spot or that fourth spot, wherever they end up falling. Um, again, this could all be a, a, a mute point if they end up <laughs> at number one and they draft Zion. But if they're not at number one, they're pretty much – Guaranteed to draft a guy who could yeah step it's going to be overlapping of some of the guys that play that, well this that year. have that they have already so right. we're gonna have to evaluate who are the keepers and who are the guys that uh, are expendable. What about you, John? Uh, if we're talking about something to like um, about the team, I, I mean, there's I like quite a few things about a team, probably way more than than I should, given that they uh, have not had double digit wins uh, <laughs> yet. Um, for me, though, it's easy. It's it's Mitchell Robinson. Um, it, it's, you know, like I, I was happy that they drafted a guy at 36 who, um, was on a lot of people's boards, a, a top 10 talent. I also thought there was a potential that it was a wasted pick because if a guy's a top 10 talent, there's a reason he falls to 36. And obviously there was some, you know, he didn't, he dropped out of school essentially and didn't play anywhere for a year. And there was some other kind of off the court, you know, stuff and, and rumblings and whatnot. Um, he looks the part of a guy who can be a difference maker um, at this level. And I, you know, you look around the league, every team needs a guy like this. Um, you know, a guy who can rim run uh, on offense. Uh, you know, obviously he needs to learn how to set better picks. Um, but rim run on offense and switch and block shots on defense, like that trifecta. I mean, you talk. I mean, that's essentially the the Clint Capella trifecta, right? And the Rockets just got him for whatever I think sixteen million a year, and I think that's considered a, a good deal. So to have this guy now on um, you know a million plus a year dollar contract for three more years after this one, and then you know you worry about what happens after this. Like, he's a positive contributor. Maybe not. I, I shouldn't go that far because he fouls, obviously, way too much and some still still jumps at shiny objects at times. But I could see him by next season even being a positive contributor uh, for this team. And, like, if he hits in terms of his potential, man, did they get a steal. So of everything that I've seen, he's been, like, I would say the most pleasant surprise so far. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think Robinson, his ability to to defend the the rim, especially, is something that's that's so appealing because in this NBA where you have guys, teams basically saying, "All right, it's the three ball or something at the basket," and if you don't have a guy that can protect the basket, as we see with the Knicks with Cantor <laughs> playing so many minutes, you are yeah. toast. You are your toast. Absolutely you done. You can't yeah. guard anyone. So with him showing poten- elite potential at that spot, uh, at that at that position of protecting the rim is is definitely uh very very encouraging i'm, I'm gonna give some love to noah vonley here 
as something that I'm really curious to see how this happened, how what happened best, in 2019. Best player on the team this year, and I, I don't think it's close. I mean, the way, first of all, I, I, I'm so amazed at how well he handles the rock. Like, I don't yeah. know, that was not something I even remembered. I mean, he him came in kind of with a with a point forward reputation. Yeah, you know better because you, you're a recruiting guy. So yeah, you yeah. even in high, high school, school, yeah. He's kind of he was kind of a three four that you know Indiana. He kind of he got big and strong and really develops into like a f- power forward. Yeah, and it's not like he's ever had a. It's more been a basketball IQ issue than a skill set issue. Sure, but I think now his basketball IQ is starting to catch up to the skills that he. Because the way had. he can bring the ball off the court and how that helps in- initiate the offense. His rebounding has been exceptional. He's been a really solid defender. He's hitting threes. He's a, a terror around the basket. I mean, he's turned into a very good player. And Can't give up on guys as early as people think. Yeah, especially Biggs. Because Biggs, um, they might they need to find the right coach, find the right system, and then they turn out to be so But again, at really what point good. do we look at David Fisdale and say, like, is it a coincidence that Moutier... And Vonley, two lottery picks, are having by far the best years of their career the first time they're playing with da- under David Fisdale. I don't think that we can say that. I, yeah, I agree. I think that, obviously, that, that Fizz deserves credit for that. So my thing is, what do you do with a guy like this? What is he worth in the open market? Because he's on a one-year deal. He's going to get paid something, something fairly reasonable. Nick's on a position where they're trying to probably get a big-name guy. What... I feel like he's a guy I want on the team. The I, I don't want to like, see him go. I don't think Noah Vonley is going to be like first on any team's no, wish list. But is I mean, he even I, going to be second or third? If there's not that much money going around there, going out there, I don't think there there probably are no more than like six, seven teams that have open cap space. Do we really like? I think the Knicks shouldn't have that big a problem if they really want to bring back Noah Vonley. That's the I've question. I've said I've said that my hope would be that. You know, assuming they're able to Given, to, to like, sign the guy, obviously that we, fact we that, like, don't want them to. Sign I don't think those. anybody would see Noah Vonley as a starting center. Um, I, I honestly am not even sure how many teams would see him as a starting power forward. So, what are you paying for a guy who's essentially your could be your first big off the bench? Right. Uh, I can they can they get him for you know get him back here on in that room exception? I I would not not rule it out. Um, that said, you know you brought up. You know, what do you do with him? Listen, I mean, they absolutely should be working the phones um, between now and February. And, like, I'm not dealing him for some BS, like, top 55 protected second-round pick or whatever. Um, You know, but if someone wants to to take on Courtney Lee um, and and all they want is Noah Vonley as the tax, like, you know, again, do I think a team is going to do that? No. Um, Right. But that's that's the type of thing that you you probably want to look for. Yeah, that that is something that you would if 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 you're not bringing him back, uh, or if there's a way, as you said, to unload Courtney Lee, uh, something that I not think was going to be as difficult as it's become because of just his I didn't not playing. I, I thought he would be easy to get rid of, and because I thought he would get out there and play pretty well, and I, I, he's going to be very difficult to unload now. So if you can use Vonley for that, I'm fine with it. But uh, but if they're going to go straight through the trade. Uh, through the um, trade deadline, and he's not dealt. I hope that there's a way to find a way to bring him in, or they find someone else who can do brought what he's brought to the table. Because he's another guy that's so young. You know, I wonder what what is he two three years from now? Can he yeah, make another totally. jump? Does he become a ten and ten guy? He's eight and eight now. You know, so uh, so he's a guy I like. Real quickly, guys, 
Uh, I'll go John first. What is something that you, you that's concerning, a negative development that you dislike about this team right now? You got uh, Cantor's moodiness and, and overall <laughs> issues, uh, Frank's up-and-down sophomore campaign, to put it kindly, and then Hazonia has been just a disaster as a one-year deal signing. Any of those or anything else that uh, concerns you right now? Yeah, I, I, I had some high uh, hopes that now look absolutely insane that this team would be able to come in and be not a not a good defensive team and maybe not even a mediocre defensive team but like i don't know the 20th 22nd ranked defense in the league and they are uh 29th comfortably 29th and i guess the reason why i'm disappointed in that is you know i get i don't i don't know if this is old school of me but you know i think there's to a certain extent, defense is a lot about effort and um, technique. And I, I'm putting Cantor in a different category because I don't think he's physically capable of being a good defender. Sure. But I was hopeful that coming into this year, guys like Moutier, guys like uh, Tim Hardaway, um, really probably those two names more than, more than any other, um, would be able to come in and be passable on defense like we we've seen tim hardaway jr when he was in atlanta play defense that was like not good but it wasn't bad either Mm -hmm. um and like you know he's been just terrible on that end and moutier hasn't hasn't been much better and i think because they obviously are the starting guards and and they're they're out there now that gets into other issues of like well you know david fisdale has them out there together right it's like okay, we're we're not yet at the midway point of the season. Um, if I if I'm put it this way, if I saw them as the starting guard duo in like late March and they had not improved in any cognizable way, that would not maybe not piss me off, but I would be bothered by it um, because that's something that like you have to show by the end of the year that you are at least on the right track with your defense and and they obviously um have not only not gotten better they've gotten worse what about you Kendall? yeah the thing that's that's that would be the most concerning for me if i'm the Knicks is frank nelkina um he's i mean obviously you guys drafted him last year at number eight uh it was phil jackson pick but you have to you have to be you have to worry about the fact that one you look at his peer group i would say He's probably the worst guy right now amongst uh, the other guards that were drafted. In. I mean, well, Marco Fultz is the worst, but Marco <laughs> Fultz isn't playing. So He's in his own category. Yeah, exactly. If the guy's playing, you know, Monk, uh, Smith, you know, Fox, Ball, uh, Mitchell, he's probably he's probably the worst amongst those guys. Um, again, in real plus minus, he's, uh, besides Colin Sexton, he's the worst point guard in the league, which... You know, that, that stat, sometimes you have to look at, you know, if you're on a bad team, your real plus minus isn't going to be that great because right. you're, you're losing a lot. But, I mean, even Moutier is, like, league, he's around league average, at least for a point guard. Whereas, and there are, there are a lot of point guards in the NBA. <laughs> Frank is the worst outside of Colin Sexton. It's unfortunate. Uh, that's not something you would want out of, out of a guy who we talked about, we've talked about a lot that, you know, even though he's, his stats aren't great, you hope that, you know, given his defensive impact, the defensive back he showed as a rookie, that he could develop into a championship kind of role player. You know, a guy that, you know, stuffs the, sh- the stat sheet or maybe doesn't, does things outside of the stat sheet that don't show up. 
uh, that impacts winning. And a stat like real plus minus, uh, you would, you, I'd, I'd like for his defensive real plus minus to be higher because you would think that you know the team when him when Frank's out there would be uh, more productive, uh, if not offensively than defensively. But um, yeah, no, he's disappointed me. Um, and now you just have to decide if you're the Knicks. You've got Moutier, who's also not like he's an old point guard. You know, he's also kind of a young point guard. Yeah, 23. He's 23 years old. Obviously, you didn't draft him, you know, number eight like you did Frank. But do you, when do you say, look, Moutier is our guy going forward. Frank, figure it out. Uh, you know, maybe we have to move you to the two. Uh, maybe you're a backup long term or maybe we move you. But it's regardless of what they, their plan is with Frank, it, it seems like that's the most disappointing development this season. I'll double down on Frank as the most concerning negative development. Uh, I guess the concern for me is the lack of improvement, it seems like. Uh, His defense, I think, has been good as it normally is. I don't know if he's taken a step up. You could make the case he's slipped a little bit. His offense is... It he, is what it is. Yeah, and like he's shown, it's flashes. bad. You, you could say, yeah, it. I mean, it's I mean, not good. He's he's, his, he's his not true a good, shooting is is. I mean, he's, it a, for itself. he's not a good offensive player. He has flashes in games. They uh, ironically sometimes they're in big games, like just like this week, uh, where you're like, oh, okay, he showed something a little bit. But otherwise, he's a non-threat offensively to the point where when he has good games, I have to then double back and say, okay, is this a good game purely because the other team is he's not in the scouting report. And, like, he's making shots tonight. Like, if a team ever tried to really stop him, I, I feel like he would never find a way to be an impactful player. So, if there's any silver lining in that negative take on Frank, I'm actually someone who's been very pro-Frank. I'm still pro-Frank in terms of hoping that he conti- they continue to develop him, don't give up on him, is I do look at his age. And I, I do stress that, okay, you drafted number eight. Maybe it was, at now, in hindsight, a reach for a guy who is far away from being that kind of NBA player that you want him to be at number eight. But he still has a lot of great physical tools. You still got to like his size. He is a very good defender. Um, And with a guy that size playing the point, there's a lot, there's a lot of benefits to that. He just still has to keep developing. You got to hope it's having someone like Fizdale, he can do it. But I'm not, unless I'm getting something more appealing, I'm not giving up on him or trading him. Uh, Moody has been interesting. I, 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 He's 23 years old, but I just don't know if he's the guy. So I don't know if I'm giving up on Frank for Moutier until, unless he really shows out in the second half in 2019. But uh, Frank, for me, would be the, the thing I would be concerned about. Any quick thoughts on Frank before we uh, move on? Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously I'm a big fan of his. I think, um, you know, there's no way around the fact that, that his, his offense has not been great this year. I think I've been really encouraged by the flashes that we have seen from him um, over at time, not consistently, but at times over the last month since he he sat the three straight games. Um, I think we've seen more extended stretches of the type of basketball that they would like him to play and that, quite frankly, you you need to play at times if you're going to be a point guard in this league in just in terms of style, aggressiveness, that whole thing. I thought a lot of ways the Denver game, um, which is why a lot of people were annoyed that he only played 19 minutes, was you could argue it was his best overall game of the season or maybe top, definitely top two or three. Um, I'm high on, it's like, I guess this is a good transition into, I guess, what our last 
topic is going to be, which is yeah. kind of final thoughts. I'm really, I am very curious to see if Fisdale from here, and not only Fisdale, Fisdale in the front office, from here until, um, you know, April 10th, which is I think the day of the last game of the season. I want to see if if they could tie up some of these. I'll call them loose ends. So it's like we've talked about it on the podcast. Guys like Emmanuel Mudiay, guys you know like Noah Vonleh, guys that are going to be free agents. Is there a move there to be made? Um, Frank Nilakina, I've argued that Fisdale has a plan for him, and that we're going to see the fruits of that labor long term. Like okay, last forty games, last thirty games, are we going to see it? The defense. You know, you've experimented with zone. You've played crappy defensive players. You've given them a long rope. Like, okay, now I want to see from here, from today until the end of the season, can you get up to, you know, being a top 25 defense, even maybe a top 20 defense. Um, I want to see all these things. And, um, you know, that's on the coach. It's on the front office a little bit. So uh, I'm cautiously optimistic, I will say, about where – where the team is, um, you know, now and, and moving forward. Although they do need to get a win one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least. I mean, I'm all for tank for Zion uh, or tank for any good player in the draft. But, yeah, every now and then I'm okay with a win. These losses start to pile up. It's like, okay, give me one at least. You know, you need one every yeah, now and then. Every now and then to show me something. Uh, and I do think the whole, you know, it's kind of started say early in the show. You can lose, but you know you want to establish some kind of winning culture. And I don't know if losing every game helps. Kendall, final thoughts. What uh, any anything you're looking at in 2019 um, as an overall thing? We got the Porzingis thing kind of looming, whether or not he will play. Yeah, the Porzingis free agency. There's a lot to think uh, about. Interesting. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm a, I'm a huge college basketball fan and NBA draft fan. So the Knicks being the the what seems like will be the worst team in the league. Uh, again, it just begs the question, where, where, what will they be targeting in this year's draft? Um, is Zion Williamson a guy that really even fits with the Knicks? I think he seems like a, a seamless fit, but some people out there may uh, beg to differ. Because um, I'm sure there are, there, the, the, that Scott Perry, Steve Mills, Fizdale have probably already pegged guy that they're targeting. Definitely. Um, at this point, yeah, when you're this th- point. when you're this bad, yeah. you know you're not going to be lower than like five. Yeah, exactly. So, so they know you got a They got a big board probably that they're that they're updating every now and then already. Uh, I would just like to see who those guys are. We won't find out until we get to June, but um, seeing how that season unfolds and seeing how some of these, again how some of these guys on the Knicks play that are in flux. A Trier, uh, you mentioned Vonley. Uh, Frank, Moody, all these guys, Trey Burke, uh, who kind of separates themselves from the rest of the pack? Yeah, uh, and, and I guess to close, I, I kind of agree with that kind of last sentiment is, yes, the draft stuff is big and the free agent stuff is big. Um, but I, I do kind of, there is there is a, we all agree, there is a clear logjam with this team. There are a lot of guys, very few, I mean, some guys stand out every now and then, uh, but no one has really separated themselves where I look at this team. And really, I'm going to even say beside, really beyond Kevin Knox, where I'm looking at him and say, okay, this team, these 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 are the guys that I'm mo- definitely moving forward with when this team eventually is good. I can't guarantee I feel that strongly about anyone else besides him in terms of feeling like I, I, wanna, I think that he's part of this future potentially. 
and that includes Frank. And I'm a, again, I'm a Frank guy, but he's got to show me more in 2019 for me to believe at this moment. I'm gonna give him as much rope as he needs because I think he's just a guy who needs a lot of time. But uh, that will be something I, I want to see happen, uh, and I want to see what happens to the big guy, Kristaps uh, Porzingis, because it is 2019, so we we'll actually will have another season in this year. So he's gonna come back. We would think at the latest beginning of next year. Uh, I don't think he's going to play this season, personally. But depending on what the roster is and how it looks, how he comes back and how healthy he is, I think is going to be uh, is going to be the biggest story. It's going to it's really be the only thing that matters once this is all said and done. Uh, any final words, John, before we get out of here? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm you know I'm as hopeful as you could be about a nine win team as I think um, is possible. I, I you know what. I, the only other thing I want to say is I it, it could get very easy for the narratives and the energy and like just the feeling around a team to go like it doesn't matter what you say before the season you could they essentially said before the season we're gonna you know we don't care about winning any games yeah um, we're gonna play the kids like you could say that until you're blue in the face when the losses start pi- start piling up. It's really easy for that to all go by the wayside and for things to turn really sour and for, like, things to start coming out of the locker room and, like, this, that, and the other thing. And, like, other than, you know, your usual New York tabloid stuff, like, I like the I, I like the fact that the the overall energy surrounding the team and, like, even Rebecca Harlow talked to me about it the other day. It's It's been good. It's been, it's been positive. And, you know, will that remain the same if the losses continue to pile up from here you know that's that's a different story but my hope is that they actually maybe around the 45 50 game mark um maybe they start winning some more games that they're not supposed to that would be that would be something i'd like to look for yeah yeah i think i i hope that there's some improvement i hope it's not enough improvement to not give them arguably the best shot if not one of the best shots at the lottery but uh but yeah, some wins every now and then is something that we would like to see. Um, but it's it's gonna be a, this is gonna be a crazy year for the Knicks, regardless of what happens. Because at the very least, Chris Porzingis is coming back. At the most, you could have a, a superstar from another team on the team. So it's a lot of unpredictability. Could they have the number one pick? What's gonna happen with Frank, Moutier, Vonley? It's a lot of crazy questions. This team. Even when things seem dark, it's funny because a lot of the media narrative has been like this team's completely unwatchable and there's nothing to care about this team. And they are hard to watch. But I think the fact that there is still so much conversation on social media and amongst Nick fans and Nick media about the inner goings of this team and what's going to happen shows that New York is still a basketball city. The Knicks still matter. And I'm hoping that 2019 uh, we see... uh, we really start to see the light at the end of the tunnel. But Jonathan, thank you so much for joining me. Do you want to uh, get, please tell people where they can find you? Um, you can find me at Nick's film school. Um, that's where all my articles go up. Uh, that is where we have our, uh, the podcast. Obviously we, we try to post the episodes of the podcast on the site. Um, if you're not, uh, familiar with the podcast, just look it up on any, any podcast service, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, Google play, uh, just called the Knicks Film School podcast, and then um, 
yeah, follow me on Twitter if you're not doing that. I've, I've been told that I'm a good follow, although I think people are probably being too kind. Uh, I am at uh, JC Macri NBA. Uh, so, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Maybe this conversation is the magic elixir that it takes to get them um, a victory. We'll find out in, uh, let's see, what is it, almost 8 o'clock? So, yeah, I guess about <laughs> five hours. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Well, you de- we're definitely not being too nice. John is a great follow. Make sure you guys follow him and definitely check out that podcast. I have enjoyed listening to their uh, post-game breakdowns as well. So, um, so yeah, make sure you follow him on Twitter and, and check out the Knicks Film School podcast. But that's going to do it for the New Generation Sports Talk State of the Knicks podcast. So happy we got to do this. Hope you guys enjoy. Um, for Kendall, for John. Oh, I should plug my stuff. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, you can find the rest of our stuff, of course, on our podcast network, New Generation Podcast Network. We're on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at New Generation Pod, uh, on Instagram at New Generation Podcast, uh, and of course, be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, New Generation Media. Uh, this podcast will probably go up there, so you you might be seeing this on you might be actually seeing this on YouTube. But uh, but we have a bunch of videos, not just sports. We do a lot of superhero comic book stuff, so check that stuff out. And uh, follow me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, and Instagram. Action EJ. That does it for now. Again, we'll be back next week with a regular sports talk podcast. Sure, there'll be plenty of football stuff to break down. Thanks again to John. Thank you, Kenneth, for joining me. I'm EJ. Peace.